Um, so today we're going to be continuing uh, our little mini-series on um, marriage, headship, headship, gender roles, all of these uh, fun landmine conversations. Uh, and I'm going to first give kudos to John Gray um, as I re-listened to his message again this week as he did a phenomenal job last week. If you have not heard John Gray's message from last week, um, please go to our website, gcfdayton.org, go to the podcast, go to the Sunday Bible study hour. It'll be the top one up there. Well, and if you don't go, if you go within the next few days, it might be the second one. Um, but he did a fantastic job unpacking headship and especially in a way I thought that was very, um, true and also I think very loving and considerate in the sense that, Sometimes we can make apologies for the Lord in, in his word and his way of um, how he structured the world and how we are to live our lives under obedience unto him. Sometimes as Christians we apologize for God instead of um, saying plainly and speaking truthfully about what he teaches us and how he would have us to live. So I thought he did a phenomenal job. Um, um, if you didn't know, John and I share uh, the common quality of being married to extraordinary, or to use John's uh, word last week, unnaturally uh, gifted, talented uh, women. Um, and so uh, to make a football reference for those of you who are going to be watching the Super Bowl today, making a little plug for our Super Bowl party at 6 p.m. at 507 South Smithville, making a little plug there with lots of food and fellowship. Um, John, John Gray and I did this thing that's called in football where you outkick your coverage, which means that you have tried to, and when you're punting the football and you're trying to punt it downfield, you're trying to get it to where you're set up with good field position for your team. Sometimes you kick the ball so far and so well that that allows the team to run right past your guys and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I did a too good of a job of punting and in the sense of, John and I probably married too well beyond our means. Uh, we probably weren't ready as husbands, uh, as young men to be husbands uh, to the wives that we were married. Um, so him and I can commiserate and share how our, we foil and make mistakes at being husbands from time to time and uh, how we're very fortunate to have the women that God has put into our lives. John and I also have had the benefit of these two weeks of speaking in front of you without our wives being present in the room um, to give amens to the times where we talk about our uh, deficiencies and our lackings um, and to also not, you know, maybe rat us out where we're maybe speaking where we would love to be at, you know, calling ourselves to higher standards, but really where we're like, no, we're not anywhere close to falling up to that measure. Um, so uh, those are some things that John and I share in common. And uh, he's someone who I respect very deeply, um, very much. And I just am enjoying the man of God that he's become over the last several years. Um, so please, please go Give attention to what he spoke last week and also be ready and prepared for your hearts next week when he comes to deliver uh, the next message at 9.30 next week. But before we go into our uh, topic for today, um, we're going to start uh, with prayer. So let's all join together. 
Dear Lord, we just come before you in a mission that life is hard. Um, Lord, that you did not find it fitting for us to do this life alone. Um, yet, Lord, you have us knitted together as a body, as a people, to be able to walk with you effectively, um, to be able to stay uh, on the path, Lord, and to not deviate, Lord, that we can be accountable to one another and we can be helpful to one another. Lord, I pray today that you would help me to deliver um, some plain truths and hopefully uh, do it adequately, Lord, uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that, if you don't know this about me by now, um, one of my, uh, I guess, giftings that the Lord has given me in my orientation is that I'm more of a big picture person. Um, I like to use the word holistic a lot and not holistic in like the terms that you might hear in medicine and so forth. That's all kind of maybe a little bit um, different than what I'm trying to get at in the sense of I like to see how everything is connected and seeing that by necessity they're connected. You can't talk about one thing without talking about another. The problem with that gifting is that I chase rabbit holes. Those of you who sat with me before will know that I will talk about all the different things because you can't help but say, if I'm going to talk about this area, but this area is very much inter, uh, inextric, inextric, wow, I can't even say the word. I'll let Greg, Greg can say it. It's his phrase. Yes, thank you. English language is hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, everything is, has some sort of connection that is we can't just simply isolate. And when we isolate things, that's where we sometimes get ourselves into deep trouble. As human beings, we have a tendency to try to find, want to find shortcuts in this world and in this life. We try to find ways to maybe synthesize information to the lowest common denominator that applies to all circumstances. And that is a very dangerous thing to do because once we start to lose uh, perspective on that things are unique, um, things are more complicated than we give them credit for. That's when we set ourselves up for, for trouble. So knowing this about me, um, there might be some rabbit holes today, or rabbit trails, not rabbit holes, rabbit trails that I go down, um, and it might not be seeming like I'm following a set pattern or a path. Um, I'm, this is more my observations. These are more of some things that um, in my life that I have seen um, through my circumstances as being a husband and trying to wrestle with these things in terms of well, what does it mean to be a husband and also what does it mean for my wife to be a wife. And uh, I'm not going to presume, and I want to make this very clear, I'm not going to presume that I know uh, perfectly what it, for you ladies, what it means to be a Christian woman. I'm not going to presume that um, because that would be pretty uh, audacious of me to, to assume that. I know that there are challenges that I probably haven't even given consideration to. Um, I, I'd like to think that there are some things through um, being married to my wife for almost 10 years now that I know some things uh, I, by interacting with her, but I would not say that I know maybe all the things, and so I'm not going to pretend that I do. And so I hope that you can hear me as I speak today that I'm not trying to say that I have it all figured out for all of you ladies. Gentlemen, I don't have it all figured out for you either. Um, I, sorry, I don't have all the answers. But I will say that there are some things that um, if 
that I, from my relationship with many of you men, um, that there's a lot of things that in my heart and in my experience that are relatable to you as well and the things that you struggle with uh, through our relationships and so forth that I will hopefully give voice to today to hopefully allow some freedom to be able to accept that, yeah, these struggles are, are real. These are things that are difficult, and that's okay because I think sometimes as we look to Christ in his, in his perfect being that we beat ourselves up too much on how, uh, how much we're not like Christ, and that is an opening for the enemy to cause us to despair, cause us to feel that we're not living this life in the way that God created us to live, and that has consequences in terms of um, how we act out, how do we allow things to fester in, in our hearts and in our spirits that lead to very destructive behaviors and so forth. So we'll touch on some of those things today, but we're probably going to do a high glossing of a lot of things, but kind of to take a step back, um, kind of before what John spoke with us last week, I like to always ask the question, well, why are we talking about these things? Um, we kind of just jumped right on into it this, uh, this past week, but why here at GCF, why are we talking about things like marriage, like headship, and so forth? And just I want to take a step back a little bit to give an, a little brief history of Grace Christian Fellowship, so bear with me on this a little bit. Um, we have been a church now for probably 14 years, I think is about the right number, 14, 15 years. Um, we were a church that was trying to really break hard ground that was very dry, that had not been soaking in the Word of God. And so we were having to really, really break up hard foundations, hard rocks that were laid in people's lives um, that were formed in people's lives that were not good foundations. Um, so we had to spend many years just encouraging folks just to read the Bible. That was a very hard emphasis for a probably at least seven to at least maybe eight, maybe nine, maybe 13 of those 14 years. Um, that's been something we have been hammering hard at because it's such a crucial aspect to our fundamental lives as followers of Christ. Then, as we've started to make some headway in breaking up that ground and starting to form some, you know, form that foundation to lay that groundwork, we're now trying to encourage folks: well, not only just read the Bible, but read it with better lenses. Get more out of reading your Bible. Um, like I said earlier, I like big pictures, and so when the the vote was for Book of the Year and it had the, the in the title God's Big Picture, I'm like, you got my vote. That, that, that's, that's, I'm good with that book because that, to me, was an important part for um, how do we get beyond just the, well, I read my three chapters a day, um, I read my five chapters a day, but nothing was changing necessarily in folks' lives and because they weren't given the proper tools to be able to understand what they were reading. While we had great teachings and so forth, I'm not dismissing that, but there is some sort of individual, you need to take your own responsibility for your critical thinking and your ability to understand what you're reading, that we can't, you know, no matter how much we preach from the pulpit, 
we can't make it happen for you. It's something that has to be taken as individual responsibility for each and every one of us. So as we've begun to work into that, um, part of our our growth as a church is that we've grown actually a lot in age. Um, we were a te- we were a church of fourteen uh, year olds, twelve year olds, sixteen year olds, so forth. Uh, you know, when I was the I was probably like the fourth or fifth oldest person at like nineteen, uh, and so that that idea of elder was more of a relative term into. <laughs> Um, so to speak. And so now we've grown, and those folks have grown up, and those folks are having families. And if any of you are like me, and I bet this is probably a high percentage of you, many of us have not grown up in good, godly homes to have exemplified for us what does it mean to be a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, and how, what does that pertain to the raising up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord? So there, we look to this idea, you know, we look to different places to find answers. We look to the church. Sometimes, unfortunately, we look to uh, the outside culture. And there's a lot of confusion out there. And this has not been a, a, a point for us as a church that we focus much on. And so we are now making this a much... Um, higher emphasis for us and will be something that we work on a lot because um, we have a lot of families and we have a lot of folks who are on the cusp of developing families and so forth in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Um, And part of what we attempt to do is we're trying to work through God's institutions of government one by one by one. So if you go uh, and you can ask Deanna Brown, or I would, sorry, Deanna Paramala, sorry, or Stephen Leopold, um, Greg has a Kingdom of God series teaching about the seven inevitable institutions of government in all societies and cultures. And we start with the very nuclear aspect of the self-government of an individual human being. And so that is what we've been working on for the last, really the last 12, 15 years or so, is our primary focus of how do we help people be able to walk cleanly, how to walk with a vision and understanding of God's calling on their life, and so forth, and try to uh, remove all of the dross that has been um, collected over individuals' lives over the past, you know, however long they had been on the face of the earth, and and all the things that have caused those issues to uh, build up and build up and build up for everyone. And so the next institution is the family. And so between individuals, the family, and the church, those are God's three um, methods of restoring his kingdom culture to the earth is first it's got to start with individuals first coming under the lordship of Christ, being washed by the word, and um, growing in the fruits of the Holy Spirit, becoming mature, teaming together with other mature people uh, that are following the Lord, whether it first being your spouse and then also a church, 
Those are the methods that God, those are the vehicles that God is using in this place and time to reach this world. So we have to, we have to move that emphasis now. As I mean, it's not that we're going to just get away from the emphasis of focusing on the individual because that's very important, ongoing for you know in perpetuum. But for many of us, we we we've never had proper instruction on what it means to be a Christian family. So that's going to be an emphasis for us um, significantly over the next years and hopefully as in the existence of this church. So some of the things that we're going to be doing behind the scenes, just so that you are aware, not that we're, we don't try to do anything in secret and hiding or anything like that. Um, it's things that we might disciple behind the scenes or so forth, but nevertheless, we're going to be working on how to train uh, young men and potential husbands, current husbands and fathers and so forth, and how to lead family worship. Because if you're like me, the idea of leading family worship, especially where it comes to um, having you know, regular teaching, leading songs, and, and having a prayer, that can be, if you've never done that before, that can be incredibly daunting. It sounds like that calling is a huge, huge, magnanimous uh, undertaking. It's like, well, well, how can I make sure that I give something that's, you know, um, nourishing both to my wife and to my children? How can I say something that is, uh, you know, how can I lead in such a way that's, you know, uh, with wisdom and with consideration? And you're like, oh, by the way, I still have to take care of my other responsibilities as a um, whatever it may be, if you have a job or something like that, that can seem overwhelming. That, that Just that alone of like making that a regular committed thing where it's very easy just to be like, you know what, let's just eat and let's just, you know, sometimes you just want quiet. If you're, not, if you're like me, sometimes you just need some time of quiet and that temptation to just like sit in silence as we all eat around the dinner table, not talk about anything important, or whatever, is, that's a very, very strong temptation, and it's a very uh, easy thing to want to have, uh, especially depending on your work environments, your responsibilities, and so forth. But we want to help our men to not feel so overwhelmed by that. So we're going to work on, um, in the future, we're going to develop a plan to help um, actually role, to do a role play and so forth and how to lead family worship. And it'll be something where we give people opportunity um, to do that. It'll be things where it is not um, just a one-shot thing and, oh, by the way, here you go. We gave you one teaching. Now you're good. Thanks. Bye. Uh, report back and see how that went. We're going we're gonna to be something where we do this on a, on a continuum type of basis. So, Hopefully that will help because John Gray did a great job last week about how the husband is responsible for covering his family, uh, covering his family with the word. Um, and so we want to help make that something that is attainable in the sense of that it is something that um, we're not paralyzed out of fear or worry of the great unknown of what this is going to look like. I'm not, who am I to, you know, that thought of who am I to be, um, you know, to be able to do these things. With the grace of God, we can and we must 
engage in this. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect around family worship is the fact that we have to be, as Christians, always thinking about the next generation. Generational succession is vital to our purpose here on earth. If we are not having any thoughts beyond our own individual lives right here and now, then I would submit to you that we are not understanding the gospel completely. We are called to be not only just, you know, obedient to God, but we're called to go out. And we're called to, uh, as we've talked about before in Colossians 1, we are to fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions by going and bringing the word to people. And part of bringing that word is training the next generation to bring the word to the next generation. It is not just simply a here and now thing by my own efforts. It is how am I going to invest in the, the propagation of the kingdom of God as it's rolled out uh, uh, decades upon decades, generations upon generations. And so we have to be intentional about that. We have to think about that. We have to strategize about that. If that is not at all on our radar, then we need to put it on our radar. We need to think about What will Grace Christian Fellowship look like when Jeshua Dickerson, our youngest member of our church, by a matter of weeks, a month by a month and a day, correct? He was January 3rd? So a month and a day. We should be thinking about what would it be like to be a member of Grace Christian Fellowship hoping hoping that Jeshua Dickerson Lewis is 80 years old. What does that look, we're going to be, most of us will be long and gone by then, maybe. Maybe not. I shouldn't say most of us. Hopefully not. Hopefully not most of us. Some of us. Some of us will be gone. Um, and, and to, you know, it, it's, I, I hope what we leave for him is something that is far healthier than what we are today. And I hope it's something that is, um, that is glorifying God uh, in uh, exponential ways greater than what we're doing today. And so if we're not thinking about, I mean, that's the beautiful thing I think about having uh, children and young ones in our midst is to think about those things. Is that here's a visual reminder that I have only a limited amount of time, and what do I need to do to set something up, uh, to set up someone else who's coming after me for success? And I, and I love, and um, this will be maybe one of my last points about children, but one of the things I love is the analogy or the relation in, in the Psalms about, in Psalm 127 it says, children are arrows. And I think about that in terms of well, what do we do we really relate to our kids as being something that's that aggressive, right? A, arrow is not something that's all uh, uh, wimpy or just kind of like, oh, well, just me and, you know, we're just going to let that child just kind of not become an adult until they're 35 years old or something like that. You know, an arrow is something that is 
uh, has a purpose. As it is something that is going to pierce something. It's something that's going to uh, be firm. It's not going to be something that, it's going to be hopefully something that has direction and clarity. And do we raise our children that way? I know that we sometimes talk about, you know, we, we kind of um, raise boys to be aggressive and so forth, but sometimes I think we undersell that, that our daughters are to be arrows as well, that they have a purpose to be impactful, that they have calling, and that they're not just something that's a, uh, a you know, this dainty uh, thing, but no, they have strength, they have character, they have fortitude, they have something to, um, to be impactful about as well. And so that's something for me that's really, really uh, a passion of mine as I've, I, I have this weird, I guess not weird, not the right word, but I'd like to think of it as a unique um, life situation where I'm, like I've mentioned before about, you know, the, uh, the quality of my wife, I'll, I'll use the word quality, I think that's a good word to say, um, she is a very, she's a dynamo, uh, and, and I mean that in the most loving way, like my wife is, is, a, is a force, um, I also happen to work, I, I report to a dynamo of a female boss as well, I also have four very, very interesting and unique and different women as my reportees. I do not, on the bulk of my days, I do not relate to men, hardly at all, in a very, very close way. And so, to me, having kind of witnessed some things and so forth, and it's, um, it's, my, it's my passion to kind of this, this subject matter because the fact that uh, I think that while we obviously want to hold to being uh, complementarian, I think that we sometimes, and we'll probably talk a little bit about this today, is we sometimes sell short, I think, what both genders are called to be and what they can do uh, and so forth. So, but before we can you know, endeavor as a church to kind of move forward in this, in this direction, um, God does not build on, uh, you know, doesn't do patchwork in the sense of like God does not just take this like really really crappy foundation that we've that we've been uh, have we've built in our lives through bad examples through culture bad examples through our family bad examples through even the church uh, God doesn't build on that crappy foundation so we got to jackhammer it all up we got to break it all up and we need to lay the proper foundations um, so. Some of the ways in which that we can do this is that um, is I'm going to ask the question to those of you who've been I don't know if I want to say fortunate fortunate but those of you who have uh, had the opportunity to go through premarital counseling with Carla and I what's the, if you remember or if you could answer out loud what is the first teaching we go over about in premarital counseling and. That's the second one. Expectations. Expectations. Thank you, Anvesh. So, before, way to go. See, good teamwork there. Good teamwork. Awesome. 
Well, he, he saw the look on your face, and then he responded, so that was teamwork. He was trying to, you know, yeah. He was trying to give you the opportunity to shine your light there, Deanna, and he's like, oh, well, we messed up. Yeah, good. <laughs> and he did it in a gentle, loving way. Way to go, Ambesh. So expectations, no matter what subject matter we're talking about, is a vital thing for us to be cognizant of knowing what expectations we're bringing into a situation, knowing what other people's expectations are, especially when we're getting into a place where we're talking about unifying with somebody else to take two separate lives and to make one life, that's an important thing to check that right away, is to understand, well, what are we bringing into this situation? What are we expecting this process, this mystery of making two becoming one? How are we... What are we expecting out of that? What are, what are um, because lives are going to be completely different um, once we go through this process. And so that's an honest and frank conversation that in premarital counseling that we want to have because the fact that it, right away, if, if expectations are not anywhere close to being on the same page, that is, that's something that needs to, for the sake of the marriage, get on the same page, because if they are not, then that relationship is going to fail at the very beginning. That marriage is not, is, or it's going to be, it's going to take extremely hard work to uh, overcome that, and there'll be lots of pain, there'll be lots of suffering along the way in that marriage if expectations are not communicated, which is why Amvesh brought up communications there. Communicating is extraordinarily important. So we have... Um, our culture has a lot of messed up expectations on men and women. And one of the things is that I want to say, state right away is that this is not a zero-sum game. Game, game, game. I said game right the first time. Game. Because the way our culture tries to tell us to talk about this is that, well, we can only focus on one or the other, but we can't focus on both. If, if it's threatening that if we focus on uh, women issues, then it's threatening to the men. Or if we're thinking on males' issues, because there's a lot of issues out there for both, then it's threatening to women. It's not an either-or. Um, there are very important things that both sides need to work on. And, so, and it's important that we both, both talk about that. And it's fair like to be to lend a listening and um, considerate ear to one another as to what are the things that they are struggling with within um, their expectations as we as we well can see in our culture, if you were a child of the 1990s and the early 2000s, you would think that the only thing that mattered about women is finding a man and transforming a really, really crappy man into this great and glorious man and say, look at how good you were at making this guy so much better. Um, that's, the, that's the, you know, spoiler alert, that's the, that's the plot of every romantic comedy. Take this jerk and make him into this glorious man. And it's like, oh, way to go. You did a one, he's, he, because of you're so great, lady, he became great himself. And it's like, I'm sorry, if you, if, uh, I'm going to crush the expectation right now that if you are expecting this big, lofty image of your husband, day one, 
you are going to be disappointed day one. It's, it's the case, because we're human. We're, we're, we have our things that we are growing in. I think that if we have patience, yes, I think if you take the time, ladies, uh, to properly vet your prospective spouse, you will find that hopefully you won't be walking down too far down the line before you realize, yep, nope, this guy is not in the same place that I am at or going in the same direction that I am going. But you will see that if you're honest and fair and patient, you might see that God is bringing maturity slowly, bit by bit, into that man's life. One of the things that, um, you know, some of the, the things in, in, in my marriage, I'm going to be candid and open and so forth, is that, you know, when I first got married, I, th- I thought that I was a lot smarter than what I was. Um, I didn't appreciate my wife's intellect as much as I ought to have. Um, I was very, if you don't know, I was very successful all throughout high school. Most of my life, through the first 18 years of my life, most of my life came pretty easy to me. I was given great opportunities. I was set up for success. I succeeded. There was a lot of things, whether it was academics, sports. Um, I, I, I loved almost everything I, I did, and this is not bragging, but everything that I did, um, that I put my effort into, I was able to succeed. Because really, the grand scheme of things, my standard, my bar was so low. Um, my standard wasn't Christ. My standard was, well, I just got to be better than this group of people. I got to be better than in, in sports. I just got to be better than when I, I was a pitcher. So one of the great things about baseball is that there is a, there's this awesome one-on-one man-to-man combat a- aspect of being a pitcher in baseball because it's you and the batter. So it's like, it is, we are having a battle right here. And so like, I was solid enough to be able to be successful in that. And it's like, that was, that gave me confidence as a person. So like between that and my academics, I was a, you know, I had a lot of confidence, probably way too much for myself uh, and really the, the person that I was. And over the years, life has gotten harder because that's, tends to be, spoiler alert number two, that tends to be how life can be, is that you're brought, God brings you more challenges and more challenges and more challenges. Uh, Oftentimes to help weed out and to help destroy and kill those things in us that are needing to be destroyed and need to be rooted out because it's incredibly unhealthy and have gone unchecked and so forth. God loves us too much to leave us where we're at in those areas. And so it's just like, over time, like, I got hired into a job. The, res- re- the responsibilities of my job were easy. I was overpaid. I will, I admit it. I was being paid to do, you know, I was, what I was looking at were what I was adding value to the company versus what I was getting paid. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I, I shouldn't be paid this uh, because it's, it's too, it was easy. But over time, things have gotten harder and harder because God is trying to work more and more humility into my life. Uh, and I like to think that it's working because I'm starting to realize, you know, through the talents and giftings of my wife, uh, which I thought was great when John Gray gave his message last Sunday. It was like the 
That was the morning after my wife laid into me on challenging me, like a good wife should. She was challenging me, and this, like, I'm sitting there at dinner, like, this was supposed to be date night. (laughs) 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 This was supposed to be, like, we're getting to spend time together, and I'm getting, like, you need to press on into these things. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like... (laughs) Like, I don't want to hear this. I, like, and my default was just to start laughing a little bit because I'm just like, this like, uh, this was not what I was looking for. I just wanted to have some Mexican food and time of, you know, like, just saying how nice it is to spend time together. Uh, but it was, it was, it was good. I mean, it's what I needed to hear. And that's one of the, the, the awesome things. Uh, and like I've, predicted earlier in my message it's I'm already way off topic and it's almost over <laughs> but I will say this is that uh, one of the things I will make a strong point is 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 for our women is to um, part of being properly under the headship of your husband is to be to be wise and to be able to say a challenging word to your husband and to not let him settle um, we, one of the challenges for men right now is that our standards are in probably historically at all time lows. Um, we don't ask hardly anything of our men. We don't expect very much of our men. I think that that's part of, um, an issue in general is that if you expect little, you're going to get little. And, but we, I think in our culture, we don't have a healthy answer for that. I think the church has healthy answers for that. But right now, our culture is, it looks at men as being, you know, well, you know, we, we don't really require a whole lot. We don't train them up at a young age. So therefore, there's a lot of low achievement. And therefore, it leads into low confidence, which leads to this meandering through life, which you know, instead of being ready to be launching into the world, um, out of our homes, out of our training grounds of schools and in our, in our houses and so forth, we're, we're, we're stuck at 18. We're still 10 years old at 18 um, in a lot of ways. And then, you know, comes 25, 26, 27, before we start to realize, oh, I was sold a bag of goods uh, and getting actually angry about the fact that because some because I was ex- what was expected of me was so low that you know I'm I've been uh, my life has been put on hold essentially and delayed for a good ten years or so and so this this creates a cycle this creates a cycle that we we as men don't have since we have low confidence we don't know what to do how can I even be a leader how could I be a husband how could I be a father. And then it's like, well, that all of that just really starts to weigh on men. And so instead of responding to that pressure in a healthy way, we decide that we don't want to grow up. We're, we want to just delay, 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 having to answer to those things, having to be responsible for those things. And then we abdicate our role as being heads, as John Gray pointed out last week. And so it's, and it's a perpetual cycle. This keeps on going and going and so forth. And so I'm not saying this to bash men. I'm saying that this is something that we have to be aware of as something that's in our culture. And so that's something we have to work on. That is something we as the church 
have to restore to its proper place in terms of um, what it means to be a biblical man and how can we how can we do that in a, in a respectful way, in a challenging way, but at the same time, how can we, you know, fight against this cultural thing that we have where basically um, because the men are having to play catch-up a little bit right now, that we're basically telling the, the, the women that, well, your life has got to kind of be on hold a little bit because there's not a man ready for you. Because that's the thing that irks me a lot is this idea that in our culture is that we basically socialize uh, women to get their value instead of from God and from Christ, we tell women your value is in what a man thinks about you. And if you have a perspective, if you have a boyfriend or a prospective husband or so forth, and this causes women, uh, from what I can see from my limited perspective, is that it stagnates a lot of women in a place where they're like, well, what do I do with myself right now? I'm being told that my wedding day, that's the, pen, that's the ultimate thing in my life, and being a wife is the great journey and venture, but there, there isn't anyone there. There isn't anyone for me that's, that's uh, in that same place right now. And so uh, I think some of the things as a church we ought to do, and I think I hope that we're doing behind the scenes is... Um, is what can we do to encourage women to be able to, you know, whether a man will be ready for you or not, what can we do f- to push you forward to, to, to attack these challenges that our world faces and, and so forth and to be the answers instead of just being on the sidelines? Because I think sometimes we tend to have a bent towards treating women to be on the sidelines and let the men do all the work. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. So, again, as we're about to wrap up here, some things that I'd like to say uh, that I've totally left out, but it will, that's okay. Well, there, there's more that I would love to develop about this, is there are healthy expectations to wrestle with that we, sh- we ought to do. Is this, um, that we, we ought to... In- first and foremost, encourage and celebrate each other's callings as individuals. There is, the, there is this weird mystery, or difficult mystery sometimes to wrap our heads around, that while, yes, there is an aspect of oneness, but there's still an aspect of separateness. Um, while my wife and I share one life, um, she is still God's daughter, and I am still God's son. And if we lose track of that at any point. I don't have possession over my wife. My wife doesn't belong to me. My wife belongs to God. And so there's an element of wrestling with, well, what does that look like? Well, how, how do we practically work that through? Um, being able to encourage one another, but also at the same time make sacrifice for one another and compromise. And that's a really tough thing. And I don't know, for each individual couple, it's going to look different. Um, I'm not going to say that we're going to make carbon copy marriages uh, in Grace Christian Fellowship. Because we are, each person is a unique individual with a unique calling. And so, for me to say that, well, this is what husband A 
should look like and wife A should look like and husband B and wife B and so forth, I think that would be doing a, a severe disservice to each and every one of us. So that, that needs to be part of the process of courtship and so forth is seeing if there is a fit to each other's callings. And so there are seasons where one might have to uh, take the step back and compromise a little bit. But that might be only a season. It might not, it might not have, does not necessarily mean that that has to be a lifelong thing. It, you have to continually be seeking the Lord of where the direction is going. Because what it might, might be scandalous to Christian churches today is that if, if, it were, if my wife and I had to make the decision today that someone had to be a stay-at-home parent, the answer would be not my wife. <laughs> my wife is extremely gifted in business, and she is called to be a successful businesswoman. And while that doesn't mean that I get to coast... So don't hear that. I'm not saying that I get to just be like, oh, I'll just play around and goof off and whatever. Until that decision were to have to be made, I'm going to try to myself excel in business and so forth and in my career, even though I already know that my wife is further along and has completely surpassed me. And um, I know that if that choice had to be made, it would be me. And so... There, we have to be honest with our giftings and our callings and so forth. And if if you don't, if you're starting to court someone and you find that, well, wait a minute, this person is uh, having these weird ideas here that are different than what I've been taught. You need to work that out. You need to see if that's if that's not something that can be, uh, if there cannot be compromised. Uh, keep in mind that. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. We should ought to want the most um, fruitful uh, and effective life for the Lord for each and every one of our members of our body, including your spouse. And so if, if we, I thought John Gray did a great job of talking about men trying to be the head. And so we, we sometimes... We, uh, we get a little bit too excited about certain you know, things and vision and so forth because, after all, I think that the head illustration is a wonderful illustration because of just from a visual standpoint. You have two eyes and you have two ears. You only have one mouth. We should be using our ears as men to listen a lot. We should be using our eyes to be looking for visions for what God is leading us to a lot. We shouldn't probably talk a whole lot. Yes, we should talk some. That's important. But we talk too much, I think. I know I talk too much. I ramble on and so forth. And I, that's part of my learning process uh, as being a, a manager and so forth is that I, I need to listen more and listen more and talk less and talk less. Um, but... We can't, we can't listen and speak at the same time. And so this is, uh, these are things, and then we just barely scratched the surface of this. Um, 
But one of the things that God reminded me of this weekend um, through some circumstances and stuff is that life, life is hard. Life is hard. It's, God's not calling us to a life of ease and comfort. And these things are going to be... Um, God's going to keep on challenging us as a loving father would. And he's going to keep on trying to help us be more and more in the likeness of his son. He's going to try to burn up those things that are not like his son. He's going to try to break down those walls and all those different things. And we have to commit ourselves to doing the work. And we, we, we have a glorious promise to look forward to about uh, spending eternity with, with our God. Um, and we have a very short time here. And I don't know if it's because, and I'm, I'm not trying to you know, be sarcastic when I say that I'm getting old, but as I've gotten older, that realization hits um, harder and harder every day. And so... It's it's not it's not worth trying to lord it over your li- your wife as a husband. It's not worth the energy and the, and and so forth, uh, just to kind of be mediocre, um, as and to just kind of abdicate your headship as a husband. Uh, and for the for wives, it's it's not not worth it to continue to just kind of take a backseat approach in a in a sense in the sense of. Um, not calling your husband to, to higher standards or to not yourself seek to gain wisdom to be a good partner to your husband or to be effective uh, in terms of your areas of ministry or the things that you put your hands to and, your, and what you labor in. Like, life is short. Um, God has given us unique blessings and gifts individually. And I think where... I think where we go astray is we, we, we don't put those gifts and, and blessings to use. We let, we let them collect dust, uh, let them rust. We let them um, be things that are, you know, only, you know, put away for only specific seasons and times and so forth. It's like, I think that while getting properly trained, is important. I think that we need to be doers of the uh, more so than uh, people on the sidelines, and I think we should encourage that within these gender relationships and within our husband and wife relationships and our father and mother and raising up our children is is to be aggressive um, and to be some not just uh, waiting and waiting and waiting all the time. While there is appropriate time for that waiting, um, I think we like to, we, I forget how the, uh, the expression goes, but sometimes we camp out in places that we're not meant to camp out um, in our lives. And so, so true, to, true to my promise, I, I went all over the place. Uh, and I hope that if there, hopefully there is at least one thing that resonates that was said today that can be of, of help. Um, but these are things that I could talk for hours about, that, I mean, as demonstrated. Um, and if you want to know more, at least uh, uh, my perspective about this, I'd 
be more than happy to spend time talking about these things because um, these are the things that God's really put on my heart, and these are things that admittedly I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I know this all perfectly, um, and especially without my without Carla here to really give me some support because she's she she uh, these are things that are very important to her too. Um, so I'm not going to presume to talk on her behalf, but um, so anyways, uh, I hope that this series and where we're going as a church in terms of talking about issues about family and so forth, while you may not think it pertains to you, it does. Even if you're not a husband or a wife today or not going to be one for 10 more years or ever, maybe you are going to be celibate uh, for the Lord, whether you don't think these things pertain to you, they do because they have ripple effects within how we relate as a body. And... Um, these are things that we can discuss in terms of how can we as Grace Christian Fellowship do what we say uh, on our sign outside there to bring the love of Christ to, the, to this city um, and so forth. So uh, let's close in prayer and we'll uh, have a quick break. Dear Lord, we, we thank you that we are each your unique creation, your unique son and daughter. Lord, I pray that we would find our way in terms of um, what our calling is, Lord, and that we would all uh, be brothers and sisters uh, rallying together to encourage one another in those things. Lord, help us not to be stumbling blocks to one another. Help us to be um, partners, to be helpers, to be um, those who are those who give to themselves to encouragement, um, who, those that uh, give themselves to loving uh, one another so much that we might have to say a a difficult thing to one another, Lord. That we wouldn't uh, allow ourselves to just um, let each other be mediocre, Lord. We just we thank you that. Because of the fact that uh, we all lack, Lord, that we, we have other uh, brothers and sisters, uh, husbands and wives that don't lack in the areas that we lack, Lord, that those are their strengths. Lord, what a blessing is that. And Lord, we just ask that as a church, as we continue to grow, um, that we would model your, um, your kingdom in greater and greater ways, um, more and more completely, uh, with greater and greater health and greater and greater effectiveness, so that we would indeed um, be a city set on a hill, that we would indeed be a light uh, to the world around us, and that we would be able to provide truth and answers to uh, our culture that is so broken around us and with great confusion. We just ask that you would bless our, today, our worship together today here in, in a matter of minutes, uh, Lord, because you are worthy. And we thank you that you have called us to partner with you to do your work here in this world, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.